Roger Green, host of the Surfing the National Tsunami podcast. Today, we are offering four conversations from episode 39. Our discussion with Mazen Nordin about his recently published paper discussing the new massive blood-based non-invasive test for fibrosis and fatty liver disease. The first test to take advantage of metabolomics in a potentially commercial setting. Mazen Nordin starts this conversation by sharing information about the massive paper. He notes that the work goes back many, many years, at least 2015 for data collection and longer than that for basic study, and credits some of the researchers who played a major role in researching the topolomics and fatty liver disease. Before discussing the study itself, he then goes on to list co-authors on this project, including many of the world's most prestigious hepatology researchers, discusses its release, and the way he anticipates the test itself being used upon approval in the U.S. later this year or early next year. At that point, Jorn Schottenberg commends the study for the breadth of size real countries and global regions from which patients for the study were recruited. Mazen then goes on to explain why, within this broad study, researchers decided to exclude F4 patients from analysis. Finally, he dives into the results by sharing findings from Table 5 in the paper. Among other data, this table looks at the sensitivity, specificity, and indeterminate zone for FIB4 followed by NASA versus FIB4 followed by transatlastography or even FAST. Mazen performs at least as well as the other tests and perhaps slightly, although not significantly better, even though it is blood-based and the previous regimen includes imaging as well. This is important because as a solely blood-based marker, MOSFET is more convenient to administer and presumably less expensive over time than the FIB4 transient elastography combination. NITs, particularly blood-based NITs, are an important area for academic and commercial development. This conversation introduces an exciting new blood-based NIT that brings metabolomics into the discussion for the first time, and it provides an enticing glimpse of what our future might hold. So sit back, listen, learn, enjoy, and when you're done, join the dialogue on our LinkedIn discussion group. We're realizing that papers like this aren't really seen by anybody who doesn't have subscription to publication, not an inexpensive publication. And probably at least half our audience won't see this paper unless they deliberately go digging for it. Because as I say, hepatology is not a cheap subscription to get. So as you walk us through it, please keep in mind that we need to give enough detail so that folks who will not have an opportunity to read the paper unless you motivate them are so motivated to do so by what you have to say. I know you're really good at that, so I'm not worried about your rising to the standard. I just want to make sure you had it before we got started. And with that, my friend, the floor is yours. Thanks a lot, Roger, for picking this paper to talk about. It's actually called MASSIVE, which stands for the Metabolic Advanced Steatohepatitis Fibrosis Core. Okay, so the A is a sh- short A, not a long A. Okay, I stand corrected. MASSIVE, go uh, ahead. You know, like we're in an era of like figuring out names and nomenclature, so we're straightening things out. We have MASSIVE, this is MASSIVE. So let me start with this. I think... In the hepatology world of MASLD, we continue to look for the hemoglobin A1C. And I'm not trying to claim this is the hemoglobin A1C of MASLD or MASH, but it's a step. And there are other uh, steps mentioned. Uh, I'll mention them. But to start with, this work actually goes back many, many years. It just makes me feel old and how long things take to get to a final product and how actually thoughtful research is. So I want to give the biggest credit to... Um, actually for this metabolic work and especially in the field of Mazel, previously NAFL, to Professor Jose Mateo in Spain, uh, very well known in basic science and liver and has contributed a lot to the field, especially in the glutathione and SAMI uh, cycle, and more recently has done work in the metabolic field. Also his associate, Rebecca Mayo and Cristina Alonso, they have done a lot of work. So this is how the story started. They were interested in metabolomics and they have the techniques, including 
including mass spectroscopy and NMR, which measure metabolomics in urine. And there were previous works published from this group, and we collaborated with them, myself and Arun Sanyan and many others uh, on their work. So some of that work that came also that people may have not paid attention to is this test ability to distinguish between normal liver and mazel or navid overall. And that paper led to area under the curve of 0.8 plus something. And then to distinguish between navel itself or mazeled and NASH or MASH, and that area under the curve was uh, around 0.8. Then with the evolving field of MASH and risk stratification, when we found that MASH and F2 is the group that is of interest for clinical trials, and the reason why is because they have correlation with morbidity and mortality, we moved forward and created this score. This score is basically to identify MASH and F2 and higher. But what I'm trying to say is through this metabolomic spectrum that they have created, and as I mentioned, the test will become available in the US soon, maybe in the, this year or early next year and CMS approved with its pricing. The report output will give you if the patient has mazzled or not, NASH or not, and NASH mazzled and F2 or not. And you'll see it on a kind of colorful traffic light kind of spectrum. So going to the massive score. So this is an international effort, actually. It's one of the most diverse cohorts. And we have multiple co-authors who are lead authors in the field, including, I'll give you examples, and I'm sorry if I'm going to forget anyone. Marco Arisi from South America, King Cusi. We have Manuel Romero Gomez from Spain, Professor Javier Crispo from Spain. From the U.S., we have Arun Sanyal, myself, Stephen Harrison. We have Tatiana Kushner as well. From the U.K., we have Quentin Ensty and many others. And everyone contributed to this sample. So the sample was the testing cohort was almost 800 people, 790, and the validation was 560 plus something. And the test compared the massive, which is again serum-based test that test mass and F2 and higher versus not to, to the FAST score. We also completed with FIB4 and NAVL fibrosis score and many others and uh, transient elastography by itself and it turned to be better or at least equivalent so to, to be more accurate. So massive consisted of 12 lipids, BMI, ALT, and AST, and did very well in the testing cohort of area under the curve in the high point sevens, as well as in the validation cohort. Jörn Schattenberg. As you mentioned, the cohorts are unique and very diverse. Before you come to uh, the accuracy and some of the test uh, characteristics, I realize you used the large derivation and validation cohort, and, and that's also derived from all these different centers, which are all referral centers. Is that correct? Or you have some more, I believe uh, Stephen has some network works where there's more of a broader access to patient samples, maybe? Can you give a little bit more insight and background? Well, actually, we did not use Stephen's cohort. The U.S. cohorts were from my previous place at Cedar sinai as well as VCU and Mount Sinai. The cohorts were mostly like, yeah, uh, tertiary care centers, but many places in Spain and Chile and Mexico were also tertiary care centers, but they were more liberal in, in performing liver biopsy. I agree. They're, they're known for that. I agree. They have a broader and a different spectrum. So one of the strengths looking from the outside is that you have from uh, the two continents uh, uh, patients, no Asians, if I'm taken correctly. Is uh, yeah. But still, uh, I, I think a pretty broad uh, spectrum of liver disease here. 
uh, and referring systems. Yeah, and another important point that in the, I guess, the testing cohort or development cohort, whatever you want to call it, uh, we did not include F4 intentionally because, as you know, if you're looking for F2 and higher, if you include F4s, the area under the curve will improve because you have like a wider range and the AUC will perform better. So in the testing cohort, the area under the curve came as 0.76. And in the, 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 the testing cohort, in the validation cohort, the massive performed as 0.79. And importantly, there was head-to-head comparison with the fast score that performed as 0.74. It was not statistically significant, but numerically many things of the massive score compared to the fast were numerically better like such as uh, sensitivity was 0.79 versus the fast was 0.59. I think the most important aspect of this paper is table five. Currently, as you know, with the AGA ASLT the and ESL algorithm, you do FIP4 and then they direct you toward ELF or transient holistography. Well, the problem with ELF, it doesn't tell you NASH at all. It doesn't tell you NASH and F2 and higher. It's prognostic tests for those that they're going to progress to cirrhosis and those they're going to progress to decompensation. But massive is NASH and F2 and higher. So this is what the test did. Again, it's what we did is we went to the AGA and ASLD and ESL and we said, okay, let's do the same. Instead of FIP4 followed by transient allostography or even FAST, we did these various comparisons. Let's do compare FIP4, transient allostography, including the FAST, with FIP4 followed by MASSIVE. And the good news is, again, I will point people to Table 5, that the algorithm starting with FIP4 followed by MASSIVE did similar by p-value to the FIP4 followed by transient holistography. Indeed, if you look at the numbers, there were many other numbers that numerically was better for MASSIVE. But what that means is the following. Let me give you first numbers. If you look at the FIP4 followed by transient holistography compared to FIP4 followed by MASSIVE, the FIP4 MASSIVE accuracy was 71 or 72% compared to 69% FIP4 by transient holistography. Sensitivity was higher, 61% for the massive pathway compared to FibroScan pathway of 54%. Specificity was similar, so as PPV and PPV, both MPV and PPV. And the indeterminate zone were 16 and 20% not statistically significant. So here you have the first time I think I see it in NIT's paper that you're testing the new algorithm using FIB4 followed by imaging that requires referral and patient fasting compared to test that can be another blood test, which is still sent out, but it's probably more convenient and they perform uh, similarly. So one of the suggestions we have, maybe this needs to be looked at in the future as current of pathways for more convenience. And now back to Roger. We hope you've enjoyed this recording. If you have any questions or comments about the content of this conversation or the entire episode, please put them in the review section of the page from which you downloaded the conversation or send an email to questions at surfingnash.com. We'll be back next week with coverage of Paris Nash later in the week, quite possibly a preview on Wednesday. Bjorn Schottenberg and I will be together in Paris with a cast of friends and colleagues. Louise will be in Australia. Until then, stay safe, surf on. If you're in the Northern Hemisphere, enjoy this last long weekend of summer, and we'll see you next week.